Sports talk with a little bit of an edge. Can you feel the tension in the air right now? I know I can. I can feel it all the way down in my plums. The Adam Crowley Show on ESPN Pittsburgh. You found the Crowley Show, where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call. Or you can join the cast of Dozens and follow me on Twitter, at underscore Adam Crowley. Tell your kids, tell your wife, we're doing radio up in here. Brian LaMartina sitting across from me, shirtless Tom behind the glass. James Harrison making his media rounds. I wonder if he wants to get on TV, that guy. I wonder if he wants to be a broadcaster one day. I wonder if he wants to get in this old field. He didn't have an agree. Get out of here with that. I actually don't know if James Harrison has a degree or not. That's not fair of me to assume. I apologize. He went to Kent State, so I'd imagine he had to have been a four-year player. You're not coming out early at Kent State. We'll look that up. It's important to nail the details down, which is kind of one of the things he just hit on earlier today with Colin Cowherd. Talking about the Steelers and their defense in Mike Tomlin. Tomlin and, you know, my criticism of Tomlin has always been it's high on emotion. It's a little loose on details. And you're telling me that's true. I feel like it, it needs to be more disciplined. Um, some of the things that they do uh, coaching-wise, I feel like some of the situations that we were in when we were there as far as uh, time management. Um, time management's been an issue. Of, uh, you know, defenses, you know, we had situations where we had double-called defenses because, you know, one thing was said and someone said something else. So you got half the defense playing one defense, the other half playing something else. So you get situations out there where it looks it looks bad, like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's doing. Well, he's just playing a different defense possibly on that play than what the other half of the defense was playing. Oh, okay, that's good. That'll win some football games. Jesus now, there are combination coverages that you're supposed to run, but I don't think he's quite talking about that there. He's talking about one safety thinking he's got to play over the top when the other safety doesn't. Things like that. How's that for some complicated football jargon for you? But that is a huge issue, and it's been an issue with the Steelers now for a couple of years, and Steelers got rid of Carnell Lake, a guy who they all liked. Uh, the players liked him. The coaching staff liked him. He's a popular former player. I think by firing him, that kind of does admit that he's part of the problem there. Uh, I don't think you see it happening in the, with the defensive fronts. I don't think you see it happening on the defensive line. I think they have their shiz together. Now, sometimes you're going to get blown off the ball. Uh, sometimes the young player is going to miss time uh, jumping into a gap. But on the back end, that's where it really hurts you, and that's where we've really seen it. Uh, that can't happen. Uh, we'll see if Tom Bradley coming in changes those things. I'm sure I'll get an opportunity to talk to Tom Bradley a little bit at training camp, and uh, I'll talk to him about those kinds of things. But you can't win football games when you're giving the other team points. And that doesn't sound news-breaking. It's not news-breaking. But the Patriots have found a market inefficiency here because they don't beat themselves. They will get beat on plays. Sometimes the other team is better than you. Sometimes they outcoach you. Sometimes they do out-execute you. But very rarely do you see a guy running wide the frig open in the New England secondary because their guy doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, Not very often do you see a New England defensive player with his hands in the air looking at the other side of the field going, oh, what happened here? What was the defensive call? 
Now, we did see some defensive lapses from New England at the beginning portion of this season, but they turned it around real quick. The Steelers' defense got worse as the year went on. Worse. He also hit on their time management. At the end of a game, do you think Tom Brady ever doesn't know what he's going to do? Do you think his teammates ever don't know what he's going to do? Do you think they ever are going off script? No. At the end of the New England Steelers game, the Steelers were in complete disarray after the James Jesse James touchdown was taken off the board. Out of sorts. Players tack, tackled inbounds. Uh, ben Roethlisberger then throws an interception. Uh, only a couple of players are running out in the route. And it's just a disaster. It's an utter disaster. And those are the kind of things where the other team should have their back against the wall. And you should be the team that has their shiz together. Uh, you had the entire challenge to figure out what you're going to do. And it didn't get done. I think one of the coolest things I saw last year in the National Football League was a video that NFL Films put together of a late-game comeback that Jimmy Garoppolo put together with the 49ers. And he's talking to his teammates, and it's before the drive starts. He says, we're going to be trailing here. When we get the ball back, here's what we're going to do. First play, they've been biting on this. Let's run that. If that works, we'll do this. If that doesn't work, we'll do that. Next play, same thing. They're going over it before the drive even starts. All right, if this play works, then we'll do that. If it doesn't work, we'll do this. If this play hadn't worked, then we'll do that play. And he's telling his teammates, I'm going to go to you here. Uh, we need to clock it here. If we get under this with 45 seconds left, we're not going to take a timeout. If we get under 35 seconds, we are going to take a timeout. And Jimmy Garoppolo says all those things, does all those things, because he learned it from somewhere. Now, where do you think that was? It's from New England, it's from Bill Belichick, and it's from Tom Brady. Harrison continued to talk to Colin Cowherd. The only thing that's really opposite is that in New England, it's more regiment. It's more disciplined. Um, the coaching is better, to be honest with you. Belichick. Uh, yeah, yeah. The coaching is better. Um, the plans they put together are better. And they don't uh, ask their players to do anything that's outside of the realm of what they feel their capabilities are. So when you do that and you switch a lot of, uh, you know, uh, players in and out for certain things that you want to get accomplished, then you get things done. And that's what they have over there. They're, you liked it. Oh, yeah. I loved it. So you didn't it. want – did you want to hate Brady? Did you want to not I want – listen, I wanted to hate him so bad. Like, playing against him all those years and, you know, him getting the better of us for the most part of them. Uh, I wanted to hate him. So, you know, even when uh, I believe it was LeGarrette came to Pittsburgh, I'm like, you know, what is he really like? Tell me the truth. I know he can't be this nice guy that everybody <laughs> says he is. He's like, no, he's a real good guy. I'm telling you, man, he's like ultimate teammate, good person. I get there, first person I see, Brady, smiling face, happy. We talk, take a picture. Um, I'm like, okay, that's an act. I said, let me watch how he moves around the locker room. See, see how he interacts with everyone. And I mean, he's not going to pass anyone without speaking. Um, he speaks to everyone. He treats everyone the same, whether you've been there ten years or you've been there ten days. Um, like I said, he's he's a, he's a good guy. Uh, he's, he's the ultimate teammate. Now, I don't know if that's an indictment on Ben Roethlisberger, the waxing poetic and heaping of praise on Tom Brady. But it came off that way a little bit to me. He was asked later on by Colin Coward about Ben Roethlisberger. And then Coward cut him off. He didn't really want to hear the answer because I think he thought what I thought, which was, 
oh, you didn't like Ben the way that you like Brady, but he said he's very close with Ben. Uh, I don't sense that from Ben either, though. Now, everyone talks about the preparedness level of Mike Tomlin. Uh, everyone talks about how he's not buttoned up, but I think Ben Roethlisberger uh, could use to do that a little bit more, too. Uh, I think Ben Roethlisberger is probably not the same kind of preparation guy as a Peyton Manning, uh, probably not the same kind of preparation guy as a Tom Brady, and those are two of the best preparation guys of all time. It's tough to compare one great player to another great player. But I never get the sense that Ben Roethlisberger needs football, like needs it, like breathes football. Tom Brady's got Giselle, and he breathes football. There was just a picture of him on the beach, and to be honest, I was a little disappointed in him because we hear he's only putting water into his body and all kind of natural stuff, and he's flabby. But he puts those things into his body not so he looks good, not so that he can get on top of Giselle. No, he puts those things into his body so that he can be better at football. And Ben Roethlisberger is going to wind up in the Hall of Fame one day. But if I think Tom Brady's flabby, I sure as bleep think Ben Roethlisberger probably is if he takes his shirt off. And there are flabby quarterbacks that have won championships. Ben's won two of them. But I think that you can tell a lot about Brady by the way he treats his body. And I think a lot of that comes from Bill Belichick. Uh, Bill Belichick is all about the details. The devil's in the details. That doesn't mean Mike Tomlin doesn't emphasize some things. The seven shots drill is about trying to punch the ball in when you're in the red zone. Uh, they have different emphasis every year whenever they go into training camp. But it's just simply not the same thing that Bill Belichick does. And again, it's not fair to c- always compare Mike Tomlin to Bill Belichick. He's the greatest of all time. It's like comparing, I don't know, Mother Teresa to Jesus. Like, she was a great person. She was a tremendous saint, but she's not friggin' Jesus. She ain't turning water into wine, right? Uh, she's not making blind people see. Uh, that's not the most fair thing to do. Uh, the more fair thing is comparing Mike Tomlin to his other peers, and Mike Tomlin is a great coach. I think he did a lot last year to keep this train on the tracks to get them to 13-3. and But history is going to remember him poorly if they're not able to win a championship with Bell and Brown and Ben. Uh, just be, You hear Cowherd talk. You hear the questions he asks, and you hear the tone in which he asks them. You hear the way Skip Bayless asks the questions. You hear the way Stephen A. Smith talks about Mike Tomlin. And yeah, that's like the holy triumvirate right there of people that you don't give a bleep about their opinions, right? But they feel it. The national media feels it. The pressure's now on them. Now, if they don't win, it's going to be that a thousand times over. So you better win. Coming up next, we'll talk to John Ledger about all that stuff. Great, brilliant football mind. He's jacked. He's not flabby at all. It's a Crowley show. Now, here's everybody's favorite millennial. Adam Crowley. On ESPN Pittsburgh. The Penguins signed Derek Grant to a one-year deal. Played 66 games at 24 points last year for Anaheim. He is a decent bottom six type player. I wonder if that means there's another shoe to drop. It's not worth discussing at length, though. So maybe something will happen tomorrow, and then we'll talk about it then. In the meantime, to talk about ball, because we've been talking football all week long here on the Crowley Show, it's John Ledger. 
John, how you doing? Doing great, buddy. How are you? I'm good, man. That is not at all surprising to hear what James Harrison had to say about Mike Tomlin, and I know it's something that you and I have discussed in the past. Uh, the Steelers, particularly I think on the defensive side of the ball, really don't have all the details ironed out that much. Right, yeah, it's it's actually pretty predictable um, what he said, and I think that he's exactly right. And if there's a weakness, and I, I like Mike Tomlin a lot, but obviously if there's a weakness with his coaching style, it's that you know, there isn't a lot of attention to details a lot of the time. It is, you know, kind of big picture culture stuff is really well handled, um, I think, for the most part. But, yeah, there there are issues in terms of the Steelers being able to get the details right and convey those details to younger players. And, you know, for a while under Tomlin, younger players didn't really play. That's changed, but they don't aren't playing to, the, to their abilities, uh, to their athletic abilities. The Steelers draft all these athletes, but – the mental part of the game is still really an issue, and that's because information's not being conveyed well. Uh, details aren't being conveyed well, and it's really been their undoing. You know, when we talk about all day about how many big plays they let up last season um, just because of blown coverages and blown assignments, well, it's going to continue to be their undoing unless something changes in their approach. And that's been, I think, really what's held Pittsburgh back more than anything, a lack of development technique attention to detail and, and scheme especially uh, is really what's kept that defense from getting back to where it should be in terms of you know, something that carried the Steelers or was a strength of the team uh, like it was years ago. John, we heard from James Harrison that at times one half of the defense thinks that they're playing one scheme and the other side of the defense thinks that they're playing a different type of scheme. How the hell can that possibly happen? Yeah, it's frustrating, isn't it? I mean, because you do see it when you watch it on tape, but also it, it is frustrating how loosely managed that aspect of things is. And uh, I understand you know, what he's saying in a way, but it is hard to, like, you know, I mean, how does that happen at the NFL level? And honestly, the easiest thing, I don't know. I honestly don't. Um, it, it is in some ways, you know, surprising to hear a player say it that outright, I think. But at the same time, if you've watched the Steelers, that's clear at times. You know, there are guys who do not know what they're doing in coverage on a week-to-week basis. And, uh, you know, you can maybe that's Carnell Lake's fault. Um, you know, we'll find out, I guess, this year. I tend to think that that's definitely your defensive-minded head coach and your defensive coordinator. So, you know, and that's the thing people forget. There can be good things about Mike Tomlin as a coach. And he still cannot be can be the guy that maybe isn't the right person to get this team to the next level, to where they need to go, to their next growth process as a team. You know, think about Steelers offensive coordinators over the years and the progression with Ken Winsnott and Bruce Arians and Todd Haley and all of them helped Ben Roethlisberger. All of them were really good for him. They all moved on or let go or whatever uh, at a proper time for the next guy to come in and take the next step with Ben. It didn't mean they were bad offensive coordinators at all. It just meant it was time for something new. So I really like Mike Tomlin. I don't want that to be the case, but it's troubling when a player that's as respected and, and cerebral as James Harrison comes out and says things like that, and you really you see that on tape. So it's really not that confusing. And I think if you look at the Steelers talent-wise, there's tons of talent. They just can't execute assignments to the level that they really need to be able to. So it's what's held them back in the past, and I think it's just what's going to continue to hold them back unless something changes. And at this point, I'm not sure it's logical to really project much to change this season. John Ledger's joining us here on the Crowley Show. He's the Chief Operating Officer and Senior NFL Draft Analyst at Draft Network, LLC. 
Uh, John, you mentioned the talent that the Steelers do have on the defense. Do you think that there's enough there? Do you think that they've brought in good enough players that just haven't wound up gelling? Well, I would have, if Brian Cage were here, I really would be, I would be tempted to say yes, uh, even though there are some weaknesses. Uh, even without CJ, he just was such a security blanket in a lot of ways and made splash plays and saved the team at times when they needed somebody to step up and kind of reverse the way things were going. Um, you know, they just they don't have a player like that in the secondary. Now they don't have one at linebacker. They don't have one on the edge as a pass rusher. You know, I think that there's some talent here, but you need a difference maker, a guy who's going to come up and make those kind of splash plays. We've seen Cam Aaron make a great year last year. I think that he's a guy who could tab as maybe that guy. But, again, in coverage, there really hasn't been that guy. You know, that's not – Artie Burns, you know, again, they were hoping, I think, that that would be the case because he flashed full skills at times in Miami. But the frustrating thing with Burns is not only does he give up big plays because of blown coverages, you could live with that a little bit if he made more splash plays, but he just doesn't. So it is frustrating because the talent athletically is there, size, athleticism, you know, even effort. You know, that's the stuff all there, which is great. But the technique, you know, Bud Dupree hasn't developed as a pass rusher. Can T.J. Watt? You know, that's something that, you know, I've heard other people around the league say Joey Porter does not spend enough time teaching Steelers outside linebackers to rush the passer and techniques and different things like that. Instead, it's more run defense oriented and they don't have that separate time to work on pass rush stuff. Well, I mean, if you're not doing that in today's NFL, you know, you're really setting yourself up for failure because it's a pass-heavy league. So there's talent here, but it needs to be better coached this season. The attention to detail really needs to be there. You need your pass rushers to be able to win 1v1. It's just the fact you have those guys have to be able to win 1v1. Step one, two, it has to be able to win 1v1 on a regular basis this year. You need splash plays from your secondary. Is that going to come in the form of the young guys or the new additions? Uh, is Artie Burns suddenly going to be that guy? You know, Joe Hayden, he played well last year, but he wasn't really that guy. Nobody has really been that guy in the secondary that stepped up, made splash plays, turned the force turnovers, things like that. So I don't know. It's, uh, you know. The talent is there, but you have to have those types of plays. You have to have those types of players to really be among the best in the NFL. And, and I think that that's something the Steelers just have not done well in, over the past couple of years especially. So I'd imagine that, for you, Keith Butler should be a little bit on the hot seat, too. Yeah, it is difficult to say how much is Keith Butler and how much is Mike Tomlin right. in terms of running day-to-day stuff and communication. Um, I kind of always assumed it seemed like Tomlin was kind of just the figurehead, charge of the team, you know, leadership responsibilities, obviously that kind of stuff. Um, but it did seem like from a distance that Keith Butler was – kind of the guy calling the shots and, you know, setting the scheme up and everything. But it seemed like late last year we kind of heard different, uh, that, it, that it was Mike Tomlin that was calling more of those shots. So, you know, both should probably be held accountable, to be honest, at this point. Um, both for, you know, for, I think, the way that some players have struggled to develop, I think, but also communication. You know, if Mike Mitchell's back there in a veteran in the NFL and, you know, he can't get everybody – in position, right? And Gary Burns doesn't know what he's doing. And, you know, Cameron Sutton comes in and he's, you know, picking some of those things up better. And Sean Davis, how much have we seen and when we see him be lost so many times? You know, those young guys just aren't really getting it from that perspective. You know, Bud Dupree makes a lot of the mistakes he made as a rookie still uh, in terms of run defense. So it's difficult when those guys aren't getting communicated what they need to get communicated. And I think that probably falls on both of them, but certainly, yeah, Butler, I mean, if that defense isn't a sight better this season, and you've got to think he'll be gone. 
I've only said Le'Veon Bell's name 18,000 times this week, so uh, why not add a few more? We'll do that in a second, but I did want to ask you a little bit about Morgan Burnett. Can he play free safety or no? Can he? Uh, yes. Should he? Uh, is, is the ideal there? Absolutely not. No. Um, you know, if you ask just in terms of, again, that communication factor of being the last line of defense, getting guys lined up, uh, making sure people know their assignments, just to, I mean, the communication is so big. It's something Mike Mitchell was always heralded at doing well, even though despite all the communication issues last year, which made me think something in the, in the coaching staff is really off. But I think Burnett, you know, in that, Way is going to be very good at what he does. I don't think you're going to see him blow coverages, which, again, that's Mike Mitchell. That was his biggest strength. He didn't really blow coverages. He just didn't make any splash plays either. So you'll get a pretty similar version of that with Morgan Burnett. I thought the Steelers made the move away from Mike Mitchell because they wanted more splash plays in the secondary. He didn't make plays on the ball. He didn't prevent a lot of big plays. He often played so deep that he wasn't really an impact player around the football when it arrived. So I think that he and his athleticism was, was flipping away. Uh, Burnett is, I think, a little bit younger, but not a, a great athlete either. Not a guy that's going to run single high and make plays on the ball and nothing like that. So you'll get uh, things you'll, you'll get things right in terms of communication and stuff like that. Uh, but I don't think you're going to get much of an impact from him in terms of ball production and things like that, which is ultimately what I thought the Steelers were doing when they moved on from Mike Mitchell and what I thought made it a good decision was that they really they need somebody like that. Somebody has to emerge to be that guy. you know. So is that going to be Edmonds? Is that going to be Sean Davis eventually at that spot? Uh, we'll see. Uh, Morgan Burnett is certainly at his best near the line of scrimmage, um, so we'll see how much he gets. Now, my guess is they'll move those safeties around a good bit when they go to three safety packages, but you know, I do think that it's something he can do, but, probably, but it's definitely not the most optimal position for him. All right, let's make it 18,001 now with Le'Veon Bell. How important is he to what the Steelers do, and should running backs be undervalued the way that they seemingly are? How easy is it to replace a guy like Bell? Oh, running backs in general, I think, yes, the correct value is typically placed on them. You know, Bell is definitely more than that. You know, I know that we want to, it's easy to kind of paint the narrative that, well, he's just a running back and running backs are replaced when you don't. You know, you don't pay those types of guys. Well, he also never leaves the field. You can split him out wide, not in the slot like some other running back, but out wide. You know, so he can run vertical routes. Like, he, there's a lot. I mean, they run fades with Le'Veon Bell, you know. So, in pass protection, I mean, I'd argue he's the best back in the league in that regard. Um, it's just a great fit, too. It's a really good like, – he and Munchak and the offensive line have a really good understanding of – how Le'Veon Bell wants to play, and they've adapted well to that. And I don't know that that'll be the case everywhere that he goes, and not that he can't be successful anyway, but, you know, I think that he's very valuable to Pittsburgh. Uh, is he as valuable as Ben? No. Is he as valuable as Antonio Brown? No. But I think that he's very valuable to them, yes. I mean, so it's going to be extremely difficult to replace. He's probably one of the top skilled players in the NFL. Yes, last year was a little bit of a down year for him. I didn't think he was as impactful still one of the best skill players in the NFL. So we're speaking relatively here to what he's done in the past. Um, the, the concerns with Bell really are, it's hard, you know, Steelers don't give a ton of guaranteed money anyway, but it's difficult to give guaranteed money to a guy. You know, he showed up late uh, for they're getting ready for a playoff game. And, you know, he's had the character concerns in the past. And, you know, he, he's a guy, and obviously the injuries too are concerning. And he's a guy that's talked about, you know, getting paid and he's thrown out the idea of retirement and, things like that, and, you know, he's just kind of 
heart, personality, the trust, and I really like Le'Veon Bell, so, you know, I'm trying to say that tactfully, but from the Steelers' perspective, I get that aspect of it because it is very difficult to sink a lot of money into a guy that doesn't play a premier position as great as he is. You know, you, you look at all your offensive weapons you have on your team, and you're kind of like, well, what's, how much is he going to hold us back? You know, because we've got this great offensive line. We've got a lot of other pieces in place. You know, I, it, it's just difficult to overpay for that, I think. So I get it from the Steelers' perspective, but certainly he's going to be difficult to replace, and I would venture to say, it's very unlikely that they replace exactly what he can do next season when he's gone. John, you have probably moved on to bigger and better things with your life, but uh, will we be seeing you at Steelers training camp at all? You'll probably see me. I don't know whether I'll be there credentialed or not. I may you know, take the family down for a day. Uh, I want to see how the rookies are looking and see how the young guys are, guys that I've evaluated uh, for draft purposes before. I'll probably get a look at them. I don't live that far away, so... You'll probably see me down there. I'll make sure I stop by and say hi. Well, very good, man. Uh, Appreciate your insight. And I realize I didn't use you for any draft stuff, but I'm sure we will as that rolls around and maybe even throughout the season. So appreciate the time as always, man. Absolutely. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. There he goes. That's our buddy, John Ledger. Check him out on Twitter at Ledger NFL Draft. Coming up next, it's the hottest take of the day. It's other crap and the three stars of the show. CSP in Pittsburgh. Is the Adam Crowley Show. Oh, no, 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 no. On ESPN Pittsburgh and the iHeartRadio app. Would you give up coffee or beer if you had to give up one? I've got the important results now of the Twitter poll. 59% of you say you'd give up coffee before you gave up booze. Uh, Brian is in the 41%. Uh, I would give up coffee. Tom would give up coffee. Thank God that's not a decision we have to make, though. I don't want to make the decision. I only I only made my decision because my hand was forced. But it that, was. That's a, I mean, like we said, Sophie's Choice right there. That's horrible. Tom, favorite kind of booze? Just beer. Favorite yeah. kind of beer? Dogfish head. Really? Oh, yeah. 60 or 90. You probably can't handle dogfish head. That's 60 or 90. Really. 60 if I'm feeling saucy, 90. 90's too much. I, I hate how it comes in a four-pack, too. Well, that's it's like, it's, just give me the six-pack, That's because it'll punch you in the face, yeah, man. I know, I know what I'm getting into, though. Please give me the two extra beers. <laughs> I guess that's true. Like You're going you're gonna to splurge for the second four-pack, right? I, I'm an adult. I can handle six. Yeah. Thank you. That is 9% alcohol. I believe. No, I think it's 12. It's more, I, yeah. It's yeah. up there, yeah. Yeah, I think 69%, and I think it's 12 for the 90. Meanwhile, yeah. I love Guinness, which is just 4.2%. There's 120-minute, too. It gets up to, like, 15% out. Holy. And those are the kind of things, like, you order them in a good brewery, they're coming in the small glasses. You know, it's like an $18 beer, but it's coming in a small glass. Yes. Like, they don't even give you a full pint with that Like stuff. A, a small goblet kind exactly. of thing. Exactly. Yeah. You get chipped. I do like dogfish head. My father and I law used to drink dogfish head all the time. So it is good. Uh, in fact, we were at the, he wasn't there, but we were at the Miami uh, Stadium for the Orange Bowl when West Virginia put the thump in on Clemson 70 to 33. And my buddies were tailgating with dogfish head. They're from Delaware, so they live right next to the brewery. They're obsessed with the stuff. And we got to the tailgate. Two hours too late because we were on South Beach, hungover as all get out because we partied the night before. 
And when we got there, they were all crushed. They were hammered. Two hours of tailgating with Dogfish Head as if it was regular Pilsner, and they were slammed. Slammed. I'm a Guinness guy, Brian. I know you're a porter guy. I love Blackview Porter. Will till the day I die. But I, that doesn't mean I don't like other beers. Uh, I'll drink anything you put in front of me, really. I'm not a snob in any no. way. Like, if you put a beer in front of me, I don't care if it's like one of the weird jalapeno type beers. I'll drink through it. I will. I had a Natty Bow. I had quite a few of them when I was in Baltimore. It's a good summer beer. It's a really good summer beer. It, it is, man. And especially, like, you can get it in the can. It's pretty good. Um, they make limited bottles. But if you can catch it fresh draft... It is so good. It, it's like, this will sound weird, but it's like Budweiser, but like made with a better taste and like you don't feel like you're drinking crappy beer out of the tap. I mean, but when you when you actually have it in the can, yeah, you feel like you're drinking crappy beer. But, you do. Yeah. That's but okay. it's good. It's That's good. Fine. Yeah. That's fine by me. I'll drink anything in a can or a bottle anyhow, but draft beer is the way to go. Yeah, really. I mean, you can get a draft. I was at a bar. For my buddy, my brother buddies, maybe I've had a couple already. Hmm. Bachelor party a couple weekends ago, and the lady, nice lady at the bar, the bartender, I suppose you'd call her, says, "Would you like a? You'd like a beer?" I said, "Yeah." And then she said, "Bottle or draft?" I said, "Draft." And my friend, who's hammered, said, "I'll take a bottle." And then he was immediately disappointed. <laughs> That's not a good story. I got to get out of this show. It's time for the hottest take of the day. It's time for the hottest take of the day. <laughs> day, day, day. The Miami Dolphins are discussing whether or not to suspend players for four games for kneeling down during the National Anthem. Four games! As in one more game than Jameis Winston got for groping an Uber driver. I mean, we're a little bit ridiculous with this now, aren't we? Uh, four games for kneeling down during the National Anthem when the thing that you're protesting isn't the National Anthem? Come the frig on. Seriously? Conduct detrimental to the team? How? How's it hurt the team? Tell me. Uh, you get drug suspensions for less than that. The NFL's a disaster. It's a disaster. They have to figure this stuff out. You've got to find some consistency. You can't just be throwing darts at a suspension board. You can't. And I don't know if this is going to get approved or not. I don't know if they have the authority to be able to do that to their players. I think it has to come down from the league for a suspension to be uh, that heavy-handed. But uh, who knows? I wouldn't be surprised if to appeal and appease the President of the United States, they go that route. I don't know if I'd be that surprised. I'll have more on this tomorrow. I don't have energy. I'm telling bad stories. My hottest take's not that hot. Maybe it's just time for other crap. Woo! Other crap. The Indians traded for Brad Hand. No way he's as good as Raleigh Fingers. Woo! Other crap. He's a hand-me-down. Woo! Other crap. Manny Machado was traded to Los Angeles. He sure dodgered that Orioles bullet. Woo! Other crap. Shut the hell up. Woo! Other crap. Brent Musburger is going to be the new Raiders radio voice. Wow, what a gamble. Woo! Other crap. The Steelers will have a new ride at Kennywood. The Pirates ride is already there. It's called the Pittsburgh Plunge. Woo! Other crap. 
The Dolphins are going to suspend players who kneel during the national anthem. That's a whale of a story. Woo! Other crap. I don't see the porpoise in that. No! Woo! I was going to say that. Other crap. Damn it! Woo! Other crap. I'm flippering you off. Woo! Other crap. You're just trying to make a splash. Woo! Other crap. Look, I'm starting to tune out. No! Woo! Other crap. It's been 600 days since Pitt basketball won a conference game. Time for the three stars of the show. Third star. Tonight's third star of the show, throwing your ex-employer under the bus. You wound up last year in New England, so give us better coach. Mike Tomlin, Bill Belichick. Belichick. By far? Um, to me, yes. Give us your view of Mike Tomlin as a head coach. Mike Tomlin is good as a head coach. He's a, he's a player's coach. Yeah. Um, I, I think he needs to be a little bit more disciplined. Um, other than that, uh, you know, the, the big thing with, with, uh, with Belichick is he's very regimented, he's disciplined, um, everyone is going to be on the same page, it's not going to be anything as far as someone doing their own thing, and I think, you know, over there, their, their co-coaching staff is like that, um, you know, you're going to know what you're doing, I mean, it's meetings after, I ain't never been to so many meetings in my <laughs> life, and I think, you know, that's really what helped me pick up that defense. Second star. Tonight's second star of the show, Steelerland. How about Alameda Te'amu's Southside Bumper Cars? How about a carousel? Yeah, you know, you got your horses and everything, but this is the Juju Smith-Schuster carousel. Got a bunch of bikes on, and then a Kennywood employee runs out and tries to take it from under you <laughs> while you're going around in a circle. Also, another addition to, uh, to Steelerland, Al Villanueva. It's a stand-up roller coaster. Yeah! Woo! What else you got? Uh, how about the Lev Bell ride? You need a Lev Bell ride, right? You do? You absolutely do. Well, the Lev Bell ride here, it stops every 15 feet, asks you for more money to continue. How about the uh, Troy Polamalu? It's kind of in the same vein as Ghostwood Estate, where you have to go through with a gun and targets, but Gil Brandt just keeps popping out and tries to rank Polamalu 13th on his list, and you just shoot him with a target. <laughs> oh, no. uh, kind of a stretch there, Todd. <laughs> First star. <laughs> and tonight's first star of the show, beating the breathalyzer. You know the one thing that always beat it, though? No, no joke? Is if you take a spoonful of peanut butter beforehand, you eat it, and you blow that breathalyzer, you're coming way short of what you actually are. Yeah, but in the field, that's not very practical. You're like, hey, officer, hold on. Let me open my jar of Skippy here. I'll scoop it out. And, you know, one second with the breathalyzer, let me go. Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready to take a breathalyzer now. Let's go. The police report just says he's hammered and he can't talk because he's got a mouthful of peanut butter. Hammered and almost choked to death on peanut butter. I'm tired. <laughs> I can't. Look, you look tired. I can't give up coffee. I think it's because you ate Indian food like during the oh show. Oh my and, god! Like, you're all like after meal tired. That's right exactly now. what happened. Yeah. I was trying to think of what was different, and that's what was different. This is why. You, this is why you can't give up coffee. I can't. Although in about seven minutes, plus my drive home, I guess. Yeah, dude. <laughs> 
I'm I was going to say, you got to drive home before you get that beer. No, it's called Beat the Buzz. I'll just take three or four oh, shots no. right now and then see if I can make it home before it kicks in. <laughs> hey, kids, don't try this at home. Don't try that at home. I swear I was sober when I left. I was. <laughs> Coming up next, it's the Jerry Dulac Golf Show. Coming up tomorrow on this program. I don't know, but I'm going to watch The Wire tonight. Season finale. I'm only like 12 years behind. It's a Crowley show.